0: And welcome, everyone, back to BAM's radio. University of Alabama bouncing back, getting a big road win on the road in Oxford, Mississippi. The seventh straight win against the Ole Miss Rebels for the University of Alabama wasn't easy, and we all agreed it wouldn't be last week on BAM's radio. I I picked 38-31. Ultimately, I was... Definitely in the ballpark, but Alabama came out. They looked flat. They did not look, uh, you know, engaged early. But one thing I'll give Nick Saban's team is they continue to compete and fight and battle. And it's, you know, not aesthetically pleasing, and uh, sometimes it's hard to watch. But the University of Alabama gets a big win, thirty to twenty-four, as they come back once again from a t- ten-point deficit, down seventeen to seven, to the oldest Rebels on the roll on the road and. They uh, clear the way for LSU, who survived uh, in the frigid, uh, frozen tundra of Arkansas, 13 to 10, uh, and then the Georgia Bulldogs, 45 to 19, winners over Mississippi State on the road. So both those teams—that's that's your matchup in Atlanta. It will be LSU and Georgia, with Georgia being the huge favorite. Uh, you know, LSU has no room for error. They have, they'd have to win the game to have a shot at the playoff and still not, you know, I don't think be a, a short of one, even though it helped them yesterday with the Oregon Ducks choking against uh, the Washington Huskies at home. So LSU with still an outside shot at the playoff. Alabama's SEC and playoff hopes are dashed, uh, is now they will, uh, you know, have to await a bowl game and try to finish out uh, strong with the two home games against Austin Peay. Which they will win. It's just a matter of by how much. And then the Auburn Tigers, the Auburn Tigers, finally winning a game for the first time in over a month, uh, as they uh, survive against Dirtneck and Jimbo Fisher, thirteen to ten, and one of the ugliest football games you'll ever watch. But it was a raucous crowd over at Jordan Hare Stadium uh, as uh, they were, uh, you know, fired up and behind Carnell Cadillac Williams who got his first win as the head coach of the Auburn Tigers in an interim capacity, as Auburn will likely name uh, a replacement and a permanent head coach after uh, the Iron Bowl against Alabama in a couple of weeks. But we're going to talk some Ole Miss. We're going to talk uh, a little bit about what uh, still uh, with William Redfish Barger about what he saw uh, against LSU. But we're going to uh, you know start the show off, as always, getting thoughts from William Redfish Barger from 89 to 93, a member of the Alabama Crimson Tide and national champion and an insider very close to the program. And then Thomas the Wizard Watts from the port city of Mobile, keeping us on the air and doing a great job, uh, you know, uh, with his analytical takes, both the inside, the numbers, and of course with the football game. And he he was right on as well. He said it would be a very close game in Oxford, Mississippi. And it was, and it was not aesthetically pleasing, but it was a win nonetheless. And as we said, the seventh straight for Alabama against Ole Miss. Well, William, I know we got, uh, we uh, wanted to get your thoughts uh, first. Uh, I know uh, you were uh, texting with former teammates as you usually do. Not a pretty game for Alabama by any stretch, but they found a way to get a win, and uh, big because of the way once again they let one get away from them the week the week before in Red Stick.
1: Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I I agree with you. I mean, at the end of the day, they, they found a way to win. Um, You know, they didn't fold. Um, You know, Bryce Young was able to bail them out this time. You know, he wasn't able to do it at LSU or Tennessee, but um, it's just a a growing, you know, kind of groundswell of, you know, people asking questions. And, And I'm not talking about you know, somebody that I ran into yesterday pumping gas at the gas station. You know, these are former, you know, teammates of mine. And, you know, they have some of them have kids that are, you know, walk-ons in the program right now. Um, and, and you know, it's it, it ranges from, you know... Typically, Golding and, and, you know, Bob you know Bill O'Brien are the bad guys on a weekly basis, but it, it, it goes a little bit deeper than that. I mean, you know, somebody brought up a great point. You know, why, why does this team, and it goes back to 2021 if you want to take it all the way back to there, um, you know, somebody made the point that, you know, the only road game I've seen them look, you know, invested in and like they even wanted to be there or they had prepared was at Mississippi state last year. Right. Um, you know, A&M, they got B Auburn. They almost got beat. Um, you know, it was 50 50 Atlanta versus Georgia two times. And then, you know, this year starting with Texas and, and, you know, and I think that's a legitimate question. Um, you know, why do they go and, and, It's hard to even say with a 60,000-seat stadium that, you know, Old Miss is a hostile environment. You know, I I haven't played, um, you know, ball there since they expanded that stadium when I was playing. I don't think it's seated but about 40. But, um, you know, it's just disconcerting. I mean, um, you come out, uh, you know, you go three and out. You know, the the whole first half was a, uh, you know, a late-term abortion offensively. Uh, you know, defensively, they, you know, kept running that same little pitch play. Um, and, and nobody was, you know, keeping containment. You know, they, they were back-shouldering Terry on Arnold to death, stuff that we've seen all season long. And, uh, you know, they, they, they made mention of, of you know, why is Will Andrew not Will Anderson, but Dallas Turner, um, you know, so undisciplined. You know, he rips the quarterback's freaking helmet off. Uh, gets a personal foul for that one and, and should have gotten another one for shoving his helmet in the, the turf, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter. So it, it's, you know, it, it's just a litany of things, um, you know, and, and, and me personally, I, I don't think there's anybody that can change it. Um, you know, he's the one that's allowed the culture to slip from where it was, you know, four or five, you know, four or five years ago. Um, you know back when you had you know enforcers on the team that you know like a Ryan Anderson or a Jonathan allen i mean you you, you didn't step out of line in that locker room when guys like that were around you know I, I can remember you know having a football coach on that staff uh, three or four years ago um you know, tell me that you know a a walk on offensive lineman got sick of uh you know, a, a starting defensive lineman who's now considered one of the best defensive tackles, uh, you know, in the NFL. And the defensive tackle is twice the size of the the walk-on. He wasn't a walk-on, excuse me. He was a second-team scholarship player. And, you know, they got the boxing gloves out of the locker, went at it in the locker room, and, and you know, the, the offensive lineman beat the piss out of the – um you know the NFL defensive lineman right now, and that, I think that. And I look. I'm not trying to say. And for people that have never been in a, you know, a high level locker room in any kind of sports, uh, but that's how it goes. I mean, it's it's a lot closer to a prison yard than it is walking around in everyday life, and you just don't see. At least on Saturdays, you know, you you just don't see. Anybody, maybe other than Bryce Young, you know, taking the bull by the horns and and trying to, you know, get people back in step that are underperforming, that are making mistakes, mental errors. Um, You know, it's it's just it's gotten to the point of frustration for me. I've got to admit, I kind of I mean, I watched the whole game, um, but, you know, after the first quarter, I spent more time. Returning text messages to my former teammates, and I did, paying attention to the, uh, you know, it's my first thing, uh, you know, out of my mouth in the first quarter. I said, man, it's been so long, you know, when Lane lined his starting running back up as the Wildcat quarterback on the goal line. I said, man, it's been so long since I've seen some creativity out of a play caller. I don't even know what to think about this, but I'm glad it still goes on elsewhere.
0: Yeah, and I agree with you. I mean, the mistakes were maddening. I didn't see the second half until I came back home and uh, watched it. Uh, I saw the first half, but I know what you're referring to. And Dallas Turner got a huge face mask on that sack. Uh, on, and it was third and 19. And he comes in, makes a move. He's unblocked. It should just be a, a sack and, you know, a, a, and a punt. And Ole Miss probably wouldn't have scored the whole second half. But for whatever reason, he wants to go up high and he grabs the guy around the face mask and it was just ridiculous. And then, of course, they end up giving up a uh, a uh, the touchdown to give up the lead. And then later in the game, he did sack the QB and I, I saw what you said. I even made a note of it because he pushed the guy down and I thought, well, you know, you're lucky the official didn't call roughing the passer there uh, because you're driving him into the ground. and and it is a discipline issue to me. They've got to get Sal Sanceri back on the field. I think Coleman Hutzler's a joke. I don't think he's done a very good job coaching the outside backers. Uh, I guess he's good in the kicking game and special teams, but the outside linebackers don't look like the same players to me. Uh, and that's one thing that you know we saw uh, you know in the LSU game in Spades, William. And uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. But um, I just felt like when you Going back to LSU, where Alabama loses 32 to 31, they repeatedly took bad angles. Repeatedly, um, you know, got did not get loose. I know the Alabama had six sacks, but I still didn't think the pass rush was good enough against LSU. And I haven't felt like all year long. I guess my thing is, see, I I don't recognize the guy. I don't recognize Will Anderson. I don't recognize Dallas Turner because with Sal coaching that team last year in that position. Hell, it didn't matter who was out there. First, it was Chris Allen. He gets hurt really early while he's sacking the QB. You've got Will Anderson, who's dominant. You put Drew Sanders in there, and he played really well. And then he gets hurt, you put Dallas Turner in. And Drew Sanders, I know they lost, but he was a pass rush deluxe against LSU yesterday. To me, I just don't think that that position group, which is the deepest on the team still as far as talent goes, though, I don't think they're getting uh, good coaching uh, along in the outside linebacker room right now from Coleman Hutzler.
1: Well, staying on that side of the ball, you know, you know, a guy that – and he's never going to be a first-round draft pick. But, you know, just in the last couple of games, man, I mean, uh, Byron Young's making himself some money. Yeah. Um, he's played played really well the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I see a a high level of buy-in and and performance on a weekly basis from Brian Branch. Um, I I like what I see. I I still think he's probably maybe spring practice for being a hundred percent after his knee injury, but I think uh, Deontay Lawson's got some dog in him. Yeah. Um, And and I'm not going to ding him switching over to the other side of the ball, but you know, You know, law comes in and and they give him three or four targets and does a really good job yesterday. And then on the damn you know game-winning touchdown, he's over there playing Mike Tyson's punch out with a with an old Miss defensive back in the corner of the end zone. Um, and, And you know, it's just stuff like that. I mean, Alabama fans, don't be bitching about the officials this week. We were very fortunate to you know not have three or four more penalties called um that then then they were i thought the work the rest were very generous on a lot of occasions but you know it's just when you and, and look you know how i am drew i don't base everything on you know a recruiting class on paper um but but as a program on paper you know to the tennessee game the texas game um even though they came back and won it um the LSU game, and then yesterday. I mean, all those teams, Alabama is more talented than on paper. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it's coaching, um, you, you know, more buy in by the other team's players into what's going on on Saturdays, but you're, you're seeing them struggle to beat teams. And I'm not saying Ole Miss isn't a good football team. I think they're a solid, well coached team. But it, it's just, becoming a reoccurring issue where on the road, um, well, hell even not even on the road this year. I mean, they, they almost lost to Texas A&M mm-hmm. again at home, um, this year. Um, and, you know, that's another mystery for another conversation. You know, I I don't know if Jimbo's checked out wants his $80 million, but you know, that team's got way too much talent on paper to be as bad as they are. um, so it's it's just been a real interesting year in the SEC, and um, you know the 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 stuff that you see, um, you know, week in and week out on a, on a defensive basis. Drew, you just touched on it. Bad angles, um, having the same play maybe out of a different formation. Sometimes it's out of the exact same formation. That gets executed on this defense over and over again in the same game is just you know just makes you scratch your head and go you know what are these guys looking at, um so you know and and look th- there's a reason why, Old Miss is such a run heavy team I mean they don't have a lot of dynamic wide receivers and Jackson Darts a long way from being the best passing quarterback in, in the SEC and you know they had some success you know, at times throwing the football yesterday. So I don't know. It's, it's uh, you know, in, in my opinion, we're going to be real interested to see how the, you know, the rest of the season plays out. You know, you're going to have some guys that are going to have an opportunity to sit the bowl game out and protect themselves for the NFL draft. That's going to be a factor going forward here in December, um, which isn't that far away. Um, you know, it's just, you know, and I haven't been able to put my finger on it. Um, and, and a friend of mine, you know, spoke with a former, um, you know, SEC defensive coordinator earlier this week. And one of the first comments that he said is that it's obvious that Coach Saban is really struggling to figure out how to motivate, um, you know, this new breed of player. Um, in the transfer portal, NIL NIL area of college football. I I think that's obvious at this point. Well, I
0: mean, that's what I was worried about coming up for Saturday. That's why I had a hard time getting the feel for the game because Alabama's out of it, and now you have to motivate these players to show up. You're seeing what Dirt a.k.a. Jimbo's guys are doing. They're just laying down. Uh, They're not playing very well at all. Uh, You see it all over college football team's coming out flat look at kentucky and against vanderbilt i mean that's absolutely absurd uh you know uh and, and then i uh, you know i can't believe i said it two or three weeks ago i thought south carolina had turned the corner and they just get s- just smashed by florida we've seen mario Cristobal's or green class lose. uh you know the rashada kid the quarterback uh Jaden rashada he ends up flipping from Florida to Miami, uh, or excuse me, Miami to Florida, let me correct myself, uh, from Miami to Florida because of NIL and because of Hurricanes just looking so bad. I mean, it is the first year, but they just looked historically bad, not being able to beat anybody at home. I mean, but I, I agree with you, William. It is a new world. Uh, Nick Saban's trying to get a hold of it, um, and I think he was proud of the way his team competed, but obviously they still got a lot to work to do. At least they did cut the penalties down. Uh, you know, and that that's was uh, you know, better. Uh, but the thing that bothered me, William and Lane, Kevin's a smart coach, but he when something worked, he just kept going back to the well. And those little pitches to uh, certainly to Quinshawn Judkins continued to work. And Alabama made some adjustments, and we were a lot better in the second half. But I thought the first half, and especially the first quarter and a half or so, Alabama was way too soft against the run especially as you pointed out correctly with Jackson Dart who's not a great passing quarterback.
1: Yeah, and uh you know, it's it's just and it's really, you know, nothing complicated. It's just, you know, if you play outside linebacker, um, you know, your your first responsibility is to set that edge. And, you know, Dallas Turner repeatedly kept getting either blocked or sucked inside and you know, they were having a lot of success running that little quick pitch to the to the boundaries. I mean, the uh, um, short side of the field on, on on his side of the defense. And, um, you know, I've got a lot of respect for Lane Kiffin on, on multiple levels. I think he's a great play caller. Um, you know, I think he does a great job of taking the available talent that he has on hand. I mean, you know, last year when they had Matt Corral, they were throwing the football all over the place. You know, this year they've got a, you know, a guy that's not that dynamic of a, of a passer and, and, you know, they're, they're the, you know, the best running team, um, you know, in the SEC. So, um, and and I really appreciate how he goes out of his way um, to, to show much of how much respect and and appreciation and humility um, he shows to, to coach Saban. I thought the, um, his little, uh, barb at Feinbaum this past week was priceless how he's been waiting for 8 years to get him back for getting him fired um at USC so um but you know it, it's something you know we're we're way too deep into this season um to to see a lot of um personnel changes um you know what what, what improvement is there you've probably pretty much already seen for the most part Um, Yeah, they can continue to get better on communication and not making mental errors and and committing stupid penalties and stuff. But, you know, this team is what it is, Um, you know, as we sit here on the second weekend in November. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful, to be honest with you, even though I don't think they could put up a lot of points with Robbie Ashford at quarterback, I'm thankful that the Iron Bowl's in Tuscaloosa this year, that that would be an absolute buzzsaw. Um, to have to go to Jordan-Hare in a couple of weeks with the way, um, you know, Carnell Williams has, has, you know, kind of rejuvenated that fan base and, you know, is is, however talented they are. And I I do think they have a pretty solid defense, um, especially in their front seven. Um, You know, that that would not be a fun trip if uh, it was at at, at Jordan-Hare this year versus being at home.
0: Yeah, it was a pretty crazy environment, no doubt about it. And um, I agree with you on Kendrick Law. It was good to see him get in there in the first half and get some opportunities. Was a little bit perplexed at Jameer Gibbs. Uh, you know, they claimed it was an ankle. Uh, you know that he had an issue with, uh, and so we didn't see him really after the first quarter. But he just didn't seem like he was engaged, William, and he didn't seem to have much juice and i got to give Jason McClellan a game ball. Uh, You know, I've been critical of him, and at times he looks like he's lost his burst. But he ran hard Saturday, and he was the key to the running game in the second half. No, absolutely. And, and, you know, I I made that point to an ex-teammate of mine that's
1: convinced that the transfer portal is, you know, causing some cancerous stuff in the locker rooms. I said, well, it didn't seem to bother Jason McClellan yesterday. Um, You know, stepped up in a big way. Um, made some really tough runs, a lot of tough yards after contact. Um so, you know, when, when one guy's not available, that's that's what you want to see out of a, a good football team is, you know, the next man, you know, that's what we're used to seeing um, you know, on a Nick Saban coast Alabama team is, you know, if, if the if one guy's, you know, hurt or not available and, you know, the next guy's up is is prepared. And, and, you know, the moment's not too big for him, and it wasn't too big for Jace McClellan yesterday.
0: Uh, I agree. I mean, uh, yeah, Jace McClellan was, I think, the story of the second half. Uh, No doubt about it. I mean, I thought he ran with conviction. Uh, He ran with physicality. He was really the Jace McClellan I expected to see at the start of the season. I've been surprised that he hasn't been a bigger factor, though I think the knee injury and recovering from it. uh, and You know yourself. You've had teammates that have had an ACL sometimes take a full year before you're completely back. Uh, Maybe he's starting to hit a second wind this past, you know, the last uh, half of the season. Certainly, it'll be big for Alabama. I I was a little bit surprised that Jameer Gibbs wasn't involved in the offense. Of course, if the ankle injury is legit, you can see. uh, That's what Nick Saban reported after the game. Uh, And then I think Eli Ricks went out with a little bit of a stinger slash concussion on the first play. And that's why we saw Terry on Arnold who had the flu last week? Of course, there was a lot of geniuses on message boards that had Terry on in the transfer portal. Uh, but of course, uh, is uh, you know when when a guy you know loses his job or uh, you know or if he gets sick or injured and you don't know that at the time, a lot of people jump to conclusions. But again, uh, you got to give uh, you know uh, you know Jace McClellan a lot of credit for stepping up. Roy Dell gave him some good reps too. Uh, No doubt about that, but it was good to see uh, Jace bring the wood. And and it was, you know, uh, just a little over 100 yards, but most of it was in the second half. And they finally helped Bryce Young a little bit because I've been critical of Bill O'Brien lately. Um, Certainly, I thought he did a solid job last year, but this year there hasn't been any creativity, and I think he spent too much on Bryce Young. But they finally stayed patient with the run. I felt like William, honestly, uh, in in uh, in the fourth quarter against Tennessee, and even you could even say, uh, you know in the LSU game that I didn't think Bill O'Brien stayed patient enough with the run, where I, I thought he put too much on Bryce Young. You're talking about, and th- this is what I was hoping to see yesterday, and we didn't see it, thank goodness, only thirty three pra- passes from Bryce. I didn't want the pass attempts to get up in the forty five to fifty range as they did against Tennessee and LSU. No, and I, I agree with you and I'm starting to
1: wonder if if Bryce hasn't reaggravated his shoulder. Um you know, he yeah, he threw plenty of deep Good point. he threw plenty of deep balls, you know, against Tennessee and and threw them well. And there there weren't any deep shots yesterday. And you know, when you've when you've got a team uh you know defensively like old Miss that everybody and their brother has rushed for 150 or more yards a game on, I mean, that's just common sense to be patient with it and, and, uh, you know, wait till you wear them down a little bit, which, you know, I think they did, you know, by the fourth quarter and, you know, started having some success running the football and, um, you know, it's, it's and, and, and there again, you know, it's, it's one of the things that's starting to become a glaring problem. I don't know if it's position coaching. I don't know if it's the route tree by the offensive coordinator or, or what it is, but, you know, they, they signed four, you know, track star uh, wide receivers. And you just all of a sudden have have these guys that I know for a fact have really good speed that can't seem to get open. They They kind of struggle to, you know, turn and look and, and break a route off if Bryce is scrambling. I mean, I love seeing Law getting involved yesterday, and I thought he, he uh, showed that he that he needed to be more involved with the way he performed with his touches yesterday. Um, but, you know, I, I, I personally felt like going into this season, um, you know, with obviously perrell has been hurt, um, you know, Gibbs has been up and down, but, I, you know, I really thought with the injection of these, you know, true freshman wide receivers, you know, that was going to kind of mitigate the loss of Mechie and uh, Jamison Williams a little bit. It, it obviously hasn't, but, you know, it, it's, I'm sure it's been a real frustrating year for Bryce Young, you know, having to, you know, battle through the, the shoulder injury and, and things just on a consistent basis, at least you know, just just not being able to execute, um, you know, week in and week out on a real consistent basis. you got offensive linemen jumping off sides. Um, You know, there's been – I I do think the, um, you know, the offensive line is better than it was last year. But, you know, I I don't know if it's – is it the new offensive line coach or is it just a simple fact that you've replaced – Chris Owens at right tackle with a guy that's got a chance to be a first round draft pick in two years and J.C. Latham. Um, but it, it, it's not a big improvement and don't fool yourself and think that it is
0: because it's not. Yeah, that's true. And uh, Thomas, uh, I'll bring you into the conversation. Uh, what were your thoughts on the game? I know you were really nervous about it as well from the standpoint of, kind of like myself, not really sure what to uh, what to think going in and, It basically worked out, as you predicted. It was a game that wasn't easy for Alabama, and they managed to pull out of the fire. And now they've got a chance for a 15th straight 10-win season. They're certainly going to win next week against Austin Peay, uh, but it's going to be interesting to see uh, how they play, uh, even in the Iron Bowl, because the Iron Bowl's, you know, with Carnell Williams and, uh, you know, injecting this energy into into their football team. I don't think, you know, that it, they, it should still beat Alabama by any stretch, especially at Tuscaloosa, but it does put, you know, a different uh, perspective on it because Auburn will likely beat Western Kentucky and come into the game trying to get bowl eligible.
2: Well, you know, looking forward to the Iron Bowl, on paper, Alabama is a ton better than Auburn. I mean, one of the, one of the problems with the Auburn Tigers, and we'll touch on this more next week, is between losses to the transfer portal and misevaluations and just straight up bad recruiting classes from the end of the Gus Malzahn tenure and the entirety of the Brian Harson tenure. That's just not a very talented football team. You can make the argument, I don't think it's a good argument, but you can make the argument that either South Alabama or Troy are in the same talent ballpark as the Auburn Tigers. I mean, Auburn's got like G5-level talent. It's just not pretty. But anyway, talking about what we saw from Alabama, uh, sign me up for someone that thinks that Bryce Young isn't right, whether that shoulder is still bothering him or the shoulder was always bothering him and it hasn't ever had a chance to really put itself back together. Whatever you want to call it, it ain't right. And it's really hamstringing what this offense needs to do or wants to do. And that, that's kind of that's 1A. I don't want to sound like I'm being hypercritical of Bryce Young because without Bryce Young, I think Alabama, given how this team has played in its insane inconsistency, probably loses a couple, of mo- couple more games. You know, they're middle of the pack right now. So, you know, I think Bryce Young isn't right. I think that I actually don't buy the Jameer Gibbs injury thing as much. The game yesterday to me struck me as a very Roydale Williams, Jace McClellan kind of game. You don't need to dance in the backfield. You just need to get downhill and get what you can get. I think that gave Alabama's offense a little bit of an edge. Now that doesn't mean that Alabama's offense was gangbusters by any stretch. I mean, goodness gracious, they had something like 320 total yards. That's that. That's not going to get it done. But I thought that was that was a positive development. And – The defense, I'll give a shout out to college football nerds. They had a YouTube video about this. Alabama has started to, has been deploying a 2 4 5 look with two down defensive linemen and four linebackers and five DBs. And one of the things that can be said is it gets a lot of speed on the field and gets some really, really good players on the to try and contain an opposing offense. But the problem is you're so light that your defensive tackles have to be elite. Now, Byron Young has really come on in the back half of this year. But Timmy Smith gets solo blocked way more than a former five-star should. And, you know, you could say that even Jeremy Pruitt did it in 2016. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt had Dalvin Tomlinson and Jonathan Allen. There is not a defensive line on Alabama's football team right now. Maybe save Jaheim Otis that is even in the same universe as those two football players. So, and, and it's worth noting, Thomas, it's worth noting, even though I
1: think he's approaching, if he hasn't already been named all pro, he's probably fixing to be. Dalvin Tomlinson wasn't a starter on that defense. He was one of the backups. Right.
2: So, so you know, when we're talking about this thing, it, schematically, it just, it, it, it kind of drives me crazy. Um, And this, this this is really my critique of both sides of the ball. You can certainly say that the execution is lacking, but I feel like the coordinators do a real poor job of putting players in a position to succeed. If Bryce Young is not right, that means he's going to struggle to throw the ball outside, which means you have to figure out a way to do something with a safety valve running back or a tight end, which we saw with Cam Latu. That wasn't consistent. The other thing you need to understand is your team needs to be balanced. And that's why I thought the McClellan getting Alabama in manageable down in distances was such a big deal, but it's not, it's just like Alabama just refuses to understand that this is what they are and they're going to do stuff. So on offense, I think the scheme sometimes just drives me nuts. Like it, if Bryce Young was right, Bill O'Brien's scheme is wonderful. Bryce Young has not really been right since the Arkansas injury outside of the Tennessee game. So how do you adjust? Very rarely has he adjusted. The fact that Bryce Young threw 51 passes against LSU just pushes me up a wall. And then we talk about defense yeah. to go over this 1-4-5 thing. Look, or this 2-4, it it can be a one or a um, it can be a 1-4-6 or a 2-4-5. Or it could be a 155, depending on what they throw out there. But anyway, the problem with that scheme is it has a ton of speed. But what you're asking players to do, you're asking Will Anderson, who is a 6'5, 250, 260 pound guy, to try and bull rush a guard who's probably an inch shorter than him, but has 50 pounds on him. And a guard's going to be able to anchor much easier. And Will Anderson's game has never been, I'm going to run you over. His game has been, I'm going to bend the edge, convert speed to power, so that when I get you going one way and you're kind of off balance, I can strike you and make a play. That's not the same as Bull Rush. So schematically, this Alabama defense is what it is, as it is with the offense, and the criticisms are fair in both cases. Now, having said that, again, slight adjustment for McClellan – and the defense was at least able to pull together enough for a stop. If you want to talk about moving forward for this football team, I'm interested to see Austin P., quite honestly. Because if Bryce Young ain't right, let Jalen Milrose start, or let Ty Simpson start. It should be the Milrose Simpson show anyway. It's going to be Alabama a lot, Austin P., a little. And go from there. And then, you know, start cycling, guys. I thought if Byron Young hadn't been the defensive player of the game, I thought Deontay Lawson looked great yesterday. Get Lawson some reps. And use the, use the next game to really kind of start looking to the next page to get some quality reps against a non-Alabama opponent. Now, you can argue if Austin P's reps are quality. I don't really care. Just get something on tape that you can teach these young players. Then you go into the Iron Bowl, all hands on deck, dominate that matchup. And then you can – I'm personally looking forward, because of this win, to a probable New Year's Six Bowl for Alabama. Uh, Alabama will probably be SEC three that assumes Georgia beats LSU because Georgia will go into the playoff as the number one seed. I think Tennessee will sneak in as the number four and that will make Alabama take the sugar bowl slot against the big 12 champion, which might end up being TCU, which will be an interesting game, but no matter where Alabama goes in the new year six you'll get 15 solid practices where I personally don't think Bryce Young plays. I think he ain't right. I think he's going to step back to prepare for the NFL draft. And I think he's going to have whatever cleanup procedure he needs to have on his shoulder. Because as we said, uh, when it happened against Arkansas, AJ McCarron missed the senior bowl to have his shoulder cleaned up his senior year. So, you know, I think we get to see Ty Simpson. I think we get to see Jalen Melrose and, Really, we can start seeing if there's a, what staff changes happen, the start of an imprint on the 2023 team. I think there's a lot to look forward to for Alabama over the next month or so, and I know it's frustrating. There's scheme things that make me want to throw tables through windows, but Alabama is what they are, and the scheme deficiencies and some of the headaches, I like to believe there's a light at the end of the tunnel, Drew, and... It'll you know, the sun will come out tomorrow, such as it were. But we'll see going forward.
0: Yeah, we will. I wouldn't be surprised if Bryce doesn't play in the uh, bowl game. I think he'll probably play for half of the next game, uh, depending on how bad, if his shoulder really is, you know, uh, if they think it's still a a big-time issue. I do think it's affected his accuracy and his arm strength, no doubt about it. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, I definitely wouldn't expect him to play uh, for the majority of the game if he plays at all against uh, Austin Peay. If if we've seen it like it has been under saving before, he will play, but uh, they'll get him out of there, and we'll see Milrow. Not sure we'll see Ty Simpson. If we do, it won't be for probably much of that game, but I do agree that he'll play in the Iron Bowl and then uh, probably will not play in the bowl game. though. Back in those days in 2013, A.J. McCarron did play uh, in the the uh, Sugar Bowl when Alabama lost, so we will see. That would be up to Bryce, but we've already seen Terrell Lewis and uh, Trevon Diggs, that, you know, they didn't play in the Citrus Bowl, so you're going to have guys that decide not to play. Could Will Anderson may decide not to play. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, but certainly uh, I think, uh, you know, that Bryce Young, there's a, a solid chance that he will, uh, you know, will not play in the bowl game. I even had a, a guy today message me and wondering if Bryce would come back for his senior year, and I gave him a quick no. I mean, good <laughs> lord! Uh, I mean, good, good heavens to Betsy. I was like, absolutely not. I mean, he's, he's not coming back. I mean, he's got nothing to come back for. He's going to be a high first round draft choice, and again, he he's managing things, trying to. You know, uh, you know get through this season and if he doesn't play in the bowl game you can't blame him it's a different time and quarterback is a uh, position that's of high value and we even saw Kenny Pickett do that for Pitt uh, when Kenny Pickett uh, you know uh, didn't let his team to an ACC title but they weren't going to the playoff and so he didn't play so then you would see uh, Milrow and maybe a Ty Simpson uh, in the bowl game so we'll have to wait and see and cross that bridge, but Alabama certainly got Austin P coming up. Austin P actually is a good team. They're seven and three, uh, but uh, I, they don't stand much of a chance against this Alabama team. Alabama may rest several starters in the Austin P game. Going to be interesting. And then the Iron Bowl in Tuscaloosa will be senior day. A lot of guys that uh, have played a lot of football for Alabama will be their final game in Tuscaloosa before the bowl game. And so, Uh, You know, besides Will Anderson, though, on defense, I don't know how any of these other seniors would think they've got good enough film to not play (laughs) because, I mean, I think they do need to, uh, you know, put together some solid performances, uh, no doubt about it. And they have been shaky at best. And, you know, this defense has frustrated me with not being able to get off field, not consistently rushing the passer, uh, you know, mental mistakes and things of that nature. Uh, you know, in the back end, and, and not forcing turnovers. But hey, a win is a win. Uh, they got a win against uh, Ole Miss, and uh, you know, they, it's it was a, it was good for the players to show a lot of toughness, to, to show they could come back again. Just want to be more consistent and anxious to see the changes Coach Saban makes. That's what's going to be interesting, because he's the one that's got the pulse of the program better than anyone else. So it's going to be interesting though going forward.
1: Well, and and also too, I mean, and it, I, I talked about this back in August, and you know, I I think it's been more than obvious and proven correct that you know if if, if an Alabama fan wants to have a fun little uh, work study to do this week, you know, go go back and and pull up 2019 recruiting class, and. Going forward up until this point, I I think they do have a chance to um, fill in some gaps with with this year's class. But, but, you know, I think there's only been four starters emerge, Evan Neal being a three-and-done one of the four. From that 2019 class, there were tons of misses on the front seven on defense and on the offensive line, and 80% of that class is gone. You know, they've all transferred out. Um, try and find greener pastures to get playing time on. But at the end of the day, guys, this team, I don't give a shit where these guys were rated on paper by a recruiting service. There's just been a huge drop off, not only in just physicality, talent, and athleticism, but just in having guys that have the process mentality probably already ingrained in their skulls before they got to Tuscaloosa, and Nick Saban was able to just amplify it. But, you know, there, there's no Reuben Fosters or Reggie Raglins at inside linebacker. You know, there's no A'shaun, uh John Allen, and, and a backup named Dalvin Tomlinson on the defensive line. You know, there's no Jonah Williams, Jedrick Wills, or Landon Dickerson's. Uh, on that offensive line. Now, J.C. Latham is in the process of becoming one of them. But when you go from having multiple players that you can name off at the the three positions that matter, O-line, D-line, and, and the linebacker course, to who, who are those guys on this year's team? There aren't any. And, and that's why Alabama's football program and the fan base finds itself scratching their heads. It, it's it's not yeah. that Nick Saban has forgotten how to coach 18-year-old incoming freshmen. It's just the ones that he's been coaching for the last couple of years, you know, post the 2020 magic season. They're just not as good as the guys that previously were in those spots. And that, that's the, the, the way to put the cherry on top of, of this season. And I personally don't think losing two football games and and you know, and I know we talked about this last year being a rebuilding year and a rebuilding process. I think they're still in that rebuilding process. They still have not come up with adequate replacements for those guys that that you know graduated or went on to the NFL off that 2020 team. I think it's pretty obvious at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, there there's definitely something missing and. In- you know we've talked about it before, Coach Saban. You know we all understand this is the last third of his career, but we talked about it a little bit last week. I've seen him do two resets. He reset after his first season when he realized Kevin Steele, who's now the DC at Miami and uh, doing a bang up job. Not, uh, you know, he he got rid of Kevin Steele after the first year. Got rid of Major Applewhite. You know, done a, a solid job at South Alabama, but. Uh, you know, and he he brought both those guys back as analysts, ironically, but, um, you know, he had to make a change then. He had to make a change with his offense in 2013 and brought in Lane And I think this is going to be a third reset. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what all changes he does make, but uh, they have lost their edge. There's no doubt about that, and, uh, you know, even if they go 10-2 and and have a chance at 11-2 and at the bowl game, I still think you uh, have to make changes and Uh, and try to get this team and get the toughest back and, you know, start playing more physical football and and building the program from the inside out. They certainly have a good recruiting class right now, but I think they need some recruiting upgrades and some coaching upgrades uh, on the staff going in to what would be your 17 for Nick Saban. So it's going to be interesting, no doubt about it. Uh, And, uh, you know, I'm fascinated to see how he handles it. I don't think he's ready to go to the lake by any stretch. Uh, but uh, we all know, uh, Thomas, that changes have to be made. Certainly,
2: and I, I think you, know, you detailed it last week. If you know, we the original discussion with Sal area is he wanted off the field. Well, if he wants back yeah. on the field, he should be there. Um, I think the defensive line has been an indictment. You know, it's been just, it's been, it's been bodies. Like, yeah, the talent whatever, but it haven't been really well-developed. you got to fix that. If Alabama can fix the front seven, they'll be a lot better. I think, you know, I've, I've roundly criticized Bill O'Brien. I feel like I've tried to be detail-oriented with that. Um, really, if you want to talk about that, it's creativity, and it needs to be easy yards. I mean, everything for Alabama comes essentially trying to do vector calculus right now. I can do vector calculus, but I need a whiteboard, and you need to leave me the hell alone, and I might be able to give you the answer. That's not going to work in a football context. So, you know, that that's some of the stuff that I'd like to see. I – you know, people always bring up Pete Golding, go on, move on from Pete Golding, and I don't disagree. But one name I, I want to caution fans about, Drew, is Jeremy Pruitt. Um. I do think Jeremy Pruitt is a fantastic defensive coordinator. And I think Alabama would love to have him. But I think Jeremy Pruitt is going to be in Greg Sankey jail right next to Hugh Freeze for the foreseeable future. And I don't believe that's going to happen. If I'm proven wrong, I'll come on the show and eat three crow pies with a side of hot sauce. But I am with you in that... I don't think you're that, safe from the crow pie for the foreseeable future on that Thomas. I can almost guarantee it. So yeah. Continue. Yeah. I, I know that that's, I don't know for a fact, but I kind of know for a fact it's one of those situations, but it's, you know, I don't think Nick Saban is ready to go to the lake. I think, you know, Nick Saban to his credit, the teams never quit. That was a concern. That was a concern going into Ole Miss. The team would just look flat And never quit. But when they were down 10-0 and Ole Miss was running all over Alabama, that team could have folded like a cheap tent. And that's the exact opposite of what they did. So Nick Saban hasn't forgotten how to build a winning program. He still wants to build a winning program. Are there some things he's struggling with? Yeah. I mean, I think he's absolutely, there are some bits and pieces of this that he is struggling with. But, if there's one thing the man has shown, it's the ability, if he's given a complex, weird, annoying problem, he'll keep trying stuff and iterating on stuff until he finds a good solution. So, I, I you know, I'm not willing to mail it in on, on Nick Saban, the football coach. I'm not willing to say the dynasty's over. Has this been a frustrating season? Yes. Yes. And I was out front saying that I thought this team could be transcendent. And... You know, egg on my face. But there are guys that need to move on. There are things that need to be reconsidered. And, you know, if the worst thing that happens during Nick Saban's tenure is one of his most talented teams goes 10-2 and two in the regular season and then 11-2 and two for the season in total, that's not a real bad spot to be in, Drew. So, you know, for me, again, just to echo what I said earlier, Alabama should beat Austin P a lot to a little, and we roll into the Iron Bowl with where should be a decided favorite, and then the fan base can get excited for the changes that we've kind of talked about. We'll see who goes, who stays, how does the recruiting class close out because we are getting into national signing, the early signing period, whatever the hell it is. And some of those kids, they'll be part of the immediate reset. Uh, we haven't talked about recruiting, Drew, but I'm sure you saw, I believe it was Justice Haynes made the comment amongst the incoming recruits that they want to do what they can do to get back to being disciplined because they see some of the problems too. I think that's very heartening for one of the best players in the class to say something like that. Now, it's an indictment of the current group, but at least someone comes in understanding that. So, you know, there's still a lot to be happy about and a lot to look forward to yeah. for Alabama, Drew.
0: Well, there well, is. And and you all- know-
2: Go so, ahead, William.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, I was just gonna piggyback off of what Thomas just said. I'm gonna give you my take on Nick Saban's longevity and what I think his dilemma is um, with his defensive coordinator. Um, Nick Saban's got somewhere between 75 and 80 million dollars worth of reasons not to go anywhere anytime soon. Um, I, I don't know if anybody has got that kind of money outside of a Michael Jordan or a Shaquille O'Neal to, to, to walk away from $80 million um, or however much is left on that,
2: that contract he just signed a year ago. So, William, you're saying he's got at least one Jimbo Fisher's worth of money out there?
1: <laughs> yeah, and,
2: and ought to have quite a bit more sitting in
1: the bank. Um, but. This is where I think he's at the crossroads with with Pete Golding. I think he's got a guy that can stand up in front of a grease board and has a very very high football IQ when it comes to scheming on a on a Monday morning, um, coming up with you know packages and plans for the upcoming game. Um, I, I think he is emotionally attached to Pete Golding. I think he likes him. Um, I, I think there's probably maybe the, the chance of buyer's remorse there that he doesn't maybe want to admit he was wrong for giving him his shot in 2019. But where I think Pete Golding is consistently coming up short, um, especially this year, is his inability to see things. And I don't know if he could see it better from the press box or not uh but to make in game adjustments on the fly, you know, when when the you know, when the piss and vinegar's flying during a game. You know, everybody in the country knew there was a chance that Jaden Daniels was gonna take off on a quarterback keeper versus L S U last week. But the players for Alabama and the coaching staff seemed to be the only ones that didn't think that was one of the main possibilities. So I think that's the the conundrum that that Nick Saban is in right now. I'm not worried about him going anywhere um, anytime soon from a retirement standpoint. But I think that's where the, the the crossroads that he's at with Pete Golding. He's a he's a very good recruiter, so that's something else to take into consideration. Um, but you know, for me, I, I don't even I, I wouldn't want. Bryce Young to play in the bowl game. I, I think they need yeah. to turn this bowl practice into spring practice 1.0 and start trying to weed out some of these malcontents that don't want to be there, that don't want to do it the process-proven way. And you know, what, what, what's you know, we we saw it work out in a great way at the end of the 2010 season. You know, you had injuries you had a couple of players that had been dilly-dallying around with agents and were more worried about their NFL futures than the 2010 season record. And I mean, it worked out wildly, wildly successful against Michigan state, but I, you know, I don't know if that's the best route to take. I, I don't care if Alabama loses two games or three games this year. If, if a third loss, Would give them a jump start on trying to figure out who the right guys are for the you know the the two deep roster for the 2023 season. It it wouldn't bother me if they took a loss from somebody that you know, like you know, Utah State or Oklahoma in, in years past. I think the reset, finishing off this recruiting class, and figuring out outside of. They're just not as talented this year as they have been in years past. Supersedes one more win on their belts.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it, and I, I agree with that. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing it uh, certainly, and uh, I think at all the very least, even if Pete Golding returns, and that would that would definitely surprise me though. He's had five years, but definitely need to get a South Sunseri back. The defense was better with him. There and go get a big time defensive line coach, a Bo Davis, someone just that's going to get more production out of this D line and make them more hard nosed and recruit better than Freddie Roach, uh, and uh, at least surround Pete Golding with some better coaches. And I agree with William; he has evolved as a recruiter since he first got down there. There's no question about and I, that. And I, I'm I'm, I'm going to jump through. on
1: Thomas's crow pie train real quick, Drew. If Sal and is not back on the field in 2023 for Alabama, he's going to be back on the field for another school, not named Alabama. And if I'm wrong about that, I'll take the
0: crow pie.
2: Oh, you're talking about with Sal. Yeah. Then bring back Sal. It's that simple. Bring Sal back on the field, but go ahead.
0: Yeah. 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 I agree. I mean, 110%. I totally agree with that. No question about it. And so, Uh, We're going to, and it looks like Desmond Ricks, and I was even hearing Kelby Collins, will be taking official visits for that Iron Bowl weekend. Still don't know how heavily Alabama wants Kelby Collins. They certainly want Desmond Ricks. They need another corner in the class, so we will see how that goes, and we'll continue to monitor recruiting. Speaking of recruiting, unfortunately in basketball, Caden Cooper. Some bad news for Alabama yesterday, he goes to Oklahoma, back to his home state from eight Oklahoma. He's at the skills factory in Atlanta. He he becomes a sooner. So Alabama, if they get it, they'll have one more scholarship they can give in basketball. Probably though, I would say they may wait and look in the transfer portal after the season. And speaking of the season, uh, since we last spoke with you, Alabama two and zero when it counts, uh, the team they beat in the exhibition play, though Southern Illinois, they beat them 73-64. So in Illinois, in Foster Auditorium, uh, but uh, the uh, Salukis go on the road and beat Oklahoma State by a point in Stillwater, so that made Alabama look uh, pretty good. And then Alabama was impressive against Longwood, uh, who was the champion of their league in the regular season and tournament and went to the NCAAs 75-54. to 54. Uh, They dominate the glass with 67 rebounds. They play very good defense. Uh, they end up with Brandon Miller with 14 points, 13 rebounds, 14 for – Freshman Riley Griffin off the bench uh, in Alabama is uh, very, very impressive. Mark Sears with 12 points, the transfer at, uh, point guard from Ohio, U and from here in my North Alabama area at Muscle Shoals. 12 points, 10 rebounds, five assists. So they didn't shoot it very well, but they played good basketball. I wanted to see them rebound better and defend, and they certainly did that. And then it carried over, the shooting improved dramatically. Uh, as they take on uh, Liberty on Friday. Liberty, of course, another one of the better mid-major programs in the country under Richard McKay. It ends up being a uh, 95-59 win for Alabama. Once again, the defense and rebounding very strong, out-rebounding Liberty 45-23, defending very well with their length, and you saw Alabama do a great job on the board, uh, or excuse me, cutting down the turnovers. They cut them from 19-15. to They forced 14 turnovers. And then the shooting, 52% overall, 10 of 22 from three-point land uh, as they were able to shoot the ball much better. Brandon Miller with four threes and 20 points. The uber-athletic and and, uh, talented freshman Mark Sears with another great uh, performance, eight for 11, 22 points. And uh, Rylan Griffin, once again, with double digits off the bench. So Alabama played at a really high level on both ends of the court against a quality opponent and they will take on South Alabama at 9 o'clock coming up on this Tuesday you know, in Mobile and then uh, Jacksonville State on Friday. So we'll talk more about that on next week's BAMS Radio. Uh, I will not be attending this coming game. I will be uh, doing a, a Thanksgiving basketball tournament against Austin P, but I will follow it very closely, hopefully get a chance to watch it uh, before we do BAMS next week. Uh, you know, and, and of course the... And don't forget, everybody, you may have to go ahead and get the streaming service. It will not be on SEC Network against Austin Peay. It's going to be on SEC Network Plus. So you may have to spend a little money to stream the game as uh, Alabama playing against the Governors is not going to be a featured SEC game. So just making you aware of that, uh, you know, we're hoping for a, a lot of young players to get to play and for Alabama uh, to move on to nine and two. And then we'll be previewing the Iron Bowl next week. Ah, uh, certainly we expect Alabama to play a lot of guys and be impressive. The eight and two Alabama Crimson Tide against the seven and three Austin P. Governors. But for uh, Thomas the Wizard Watts, for William Redfish Barger, it's been a very informative and uh, you know entertaining discussion, and uh, and you know I think it, a, an interesting episode of BAMS today because we're all really we're looking at the at the current season, trying to finish it off the right way, but also very intrigued about the future the changes Nick Saban may make, and like William said, very good point about the bowl game, you know, being a spring practice 1.0 uh, and starting to reset this team, see who really wants to be there, and, of course, get a, uh, a look at the quarterback competition uh, between Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson. But for my two compatriots, I'm Drudy Armin. It's been another great edition of BAMS Radio. We thank you for supporting us and uh, in, 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 uh, continuing to listen to the show. Uh, We'll talk to you next Sunday for my two compatriots. I'm Drew Yarman. Good night, everybody, and Roll Tide.